taping now. So uh, we're going to be in Exodus uh, chapter 13. I think I need to turn my phone. Verse 1, Exodus 13. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and a beast, is mine. Exodus 13, verse 1. Consecrate to me all the firstborn. With this command, God sets the record straight and clarifies several things. First of all, it clarifies what an egregious act it was for Pharaoh to murder the firstborn, really the boys of Israel. Because whose are they? The Lord's. Um, these children who were killed included the firstborn of Israel God's property he says they belong to me it also brings to mind how necessary it was for the tenth plague For justice to have been done, that had to be the case. If you flip back to Exodus chapter 4, I'm sorry, chapter 3. I believe I lost the, lost the reference here. Well, I'll think of it in a moment. But the point is that God's initial instruction to Moses talked about this. And he says, Israel is my firstborn. And I'll find the reference in a moment. So, if Pharaoh was going to take God's firstborn, you could just see it coming, and it was predicted to Moses that God was going to take Egypt's firstborn. So this is a power-packed verse, which we're going to unpack later today. Consecrate to me all the firstborn, Whatever is first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. It's mine. I think the, um, the, of course, our Bible wasn't written with verse markers and chapter markers and so forth, but um, if you think about this starting a chapter, and this is my topic sentence. Um, 
I think that's why it gets elevated because he's going to come back to it. Now, subsequent to this, we have this Feast of Unleavened Bread, which actually Dad covered last week. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day when you come out. And he goes through and he talks about the unleavened bread and, and that it should be a sign for you. Um, one statement stuck out to me as I reread this. In verse 8, again the theme here is remembrance. You should tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. So much of the time when I think of the Exodus, I think of the multitude, right? The people of Israel, the nation of Israel, uh, this just big group. But this just made it really personal where the instruction was, tell your son it is because of what the Lord did for me. I, I just thought that was a good point, uh, certainly that I took note of. The law of the Lord may be in your mouth. I'm in uh, verse 9. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. Verse 11. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are male shall be the Lord. What was one of the main reasons, if not the main reason, when Moses spoke to Pharaoh, I need you to let my people go, and the reason was why? They need to go and worship. They need to go and sacrifice. So it says here, when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord, and there's going to be some sacrifice. So it got me thinking, and you can reflect on this at your own. The purpose of God taking them to the promised land wasn't so they can not be slaves anymore. It wasn't so that they can have a better climate. It wasn't so that they could be out of Pharaoh's rule. It wasn't so that they could be free from conflict, free from domination from other people. It was for worship. And so I think there's an application there for us. When we are saved, is it to get free of every problem that we have? Is it to avoid all conflict? Is it to be on a golden road from that point forward? No. And if we expect that, or if we use that prospect to kind of bribe people into the kingdom with some 
glorified view of what the Christian life's going to be, they're going to be disappointed, right? The purpose for them to leave Egypt was for worship. Verse 12 again. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord. In Exodus 22, it clarifies this. You shall not delay to offer from the fullness of your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. You shall do the same with your oxen, with your sheep. Seven days it shall be with its mother, and on the eighth day you'll give it to me. So firstborn and the assumption here, firstborn of your clean animals. Now they haven't been taught yet what's clean and unclean, but the firstborn of your clean animals are literally given to the Lord via sacrifice. That's what it's saying there. Secondly, in verse 13, every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, shall break its neck. Now I think this is interesting. If we ever go around to Leviticus, which will probably be in there back and forth at times. Um, it's all about God giving a prescription of behavior. Um, they got their first taste of this the night before Passover, right? Or the night of Passover. They had very specific instructions to follow. You're going to see this again and again where they just kind of need to get in the habit of saying, yes, God, this is what I'm doing. So here's more instruction. So uh, it says, firstborn of a donkey shall redeem with a lamb. So a donkey is not considered a clean animal. So you can't sacrifice that to God. You're not going to sacrifice an unclean animal to God. But this is still a useful animal. So he said, you can either redeem it, in other words, offer a lamb instead, or break the neck of the donkey. Those are your options. And it says, every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Obviously, we're not going to sacrifice children, but you would redeem your son by a sacrifice. Of course, we know Mary and Joseph did this with Jesus on the eighth day. So you kind of get the concept firstborn is special. The firstborn, God's claiming as his own. Um, these firstborn sons were to be redeemed. Now, I came across something in, a, in one of the commentaries that sounded a little, um, I don't know, it was kind of hard for me to get my head around. Um, who provided the redemption for the firstborn children of Israel the night of Passover? Was it the lamb? Or was it the firstborn of the Egyptians? I've always gone with lamb, Julie. <laughs> this was uh, this commentator who's very, um, very conservative commentator kind of put a different different spin on this. I'll just read it. It says, not only was the tenth plague a payback for Pharaoh's decree to kill the Israelite children in chapter one, but it was God exercising his right, I'm sorry, his divine right over the firstborn. 
The Passover is not simply a matter of replacing the Israelites' firstborn. It is also God purchasing, so to speak, the redemption of his firstborn son Israel through the death of the Egyptian firstborn, since it was precisely this catastrophe that led Pharaoh to call for Israel's release. I had not really thought about that, um, that they were kind of a replacement um, or redemption of, I've always gone flam, uh, but uh, I thought that was certainly thought-provoking. Um, all right, looks like I've come across a reference I was looking for. Exodus 4.21, I know I had it in here somewhere. This concept that Israel is God's firstborn. Exodus 4, verse 21. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. Again, we have this consistent theme. Israel is my firstborn son. I want him back for the purpose of that he may serve me. That's a theme I think that we'll continue to see. Also something new to me, which I just, I don't think I've really ever put this together. The tribe of Levi becomes the firstborn son of the nation. Turn to Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. If you get to Deuteronomy, you've gone too far. Numbers chapter 8. And then 14, verse 14, Numbers 8, 14. I'll read just a little bit. It says, Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the people of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. And after that, the Levites shall go in to serve at the tent of meeting when you have cleansed them and offered them as a wave offering. For they are wholly given to me from among the people of Israel. Instead of all who open the womb, the firstborn of all the people of Israel, I have taken them for myself. For all the firstborn of the people of Israel are mine, both a man and beast. On the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated them for myself. And I have taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel. I had not encountered that verse in this context before. Um, as one commentator says, the reason the Levites take the place of the firstborn sons is the assumption that the firstborn is God's by right. And in order for God to relinquish that right, a substitute was, uh, must be provided. In other words, you get to keep your sons, but the tribe of Levi, that's, that's mine. If we talk about Israel as God's firstborn son, as it said back in 
Exodus 4, it's the perfect segue to think of Jesus as what you might say the true firstborn son. At baptism, of course, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So I think it's, it's cool that, you know, here we are on the brink of an Easter celebration coming soon. Um, so we have Christ the firstborn who wasn't protected. In fact, in essence, Christ became like Egypt. Egypt received the wrath of God on their firstborn children. So in that moment that Christ was on the cross, he became Egypt. He received all of that. Now, of course, the, you know, the most amazing plot twist of all of history is where the true firstborn son was not protected, but then through the resurrection actually becomes the means by which we start to access this firstborn for ourselves. So the people of Israel, as we look backwards toward that, especially through the lens of Paul, the true firstborn are those who have become firstborn through Christ. That's, that's the gospel, right? That's the gospel. Paul struggles with this. I didn't really intend to go here, and I may be creating confusion, but turn with me, if you would, to Romans. Uh, let's see. Romans chapter 9. So Paul's looking around, and the, the plan, the, the law that Israel has been going by for these centuries has been supplanted by Jesus. And Paul's looking around, and, and Jews are not coming to Christ. Uh, they're, many are scattered, and, you know, they're, they're not, you know, they caused the crucifixion, right? The, and he is heartbroken for them. With all that they have, Romans 9, verse 4, they are Israelites, and to them belong. Now listen to the, the amazing heritage that they received. And this heritage, they start to receive it back in Exodus and even before. To them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the law, the worship, the promises, the patriarchs. They... All of that belongs to them. And, but they, they're not receiving it. They're not receiving it. And in verse 6, he says, But it is not as though the word of God has failed. 
how does he explain this? He says, not everyone who's from Israel is really Israel. Not everyone is a child of Abraham because they're his offspring. And then he goes on to talk about the children of promise. We learn about how are we grafted into this family through Jesus. How do we become firstborn? Are we firstborn? No. How do we become firstborn? Through Jesus. Um, Look back a page, Romans 8. For those whom he foreknew who also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be firstborn among many brothers. He was the initial firstborn and there's going to be other firstborn to follow him. And in 1 Corinthians, that great resurrection passage, which I don't think we have to wait to talk about Easter till Easter, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are fallen asleep. Christ was the first. Others are to follow. I think there are so many other people, probably even in this, especially in this room, who could connect all this together better than I'm doing today. But this concept that God has claim on the firstborn, he says it over and over, they're mine. I want them. Why? I don't know. God wants them. I want them so much, I'm going to make a plan of redemption for them. Right? I'm going to call Moses. I'm going to send him to Pharaoh. I'm going to send the plagues. I'm going to claim my firstborn. Unbeknownst to anyone until the cross... He was laying the groundwork for his ultimate redemption. God has a claim on the firstborn. God makes a plan for redemption of the firstborn. And those who aren't firstborn can still get in through adoption. Romans is all about adoption. Us getting in the family. Once we are redeemed, we are to what? We're to worship. One thing that I think that we're we're really in a unique position in history because the plan has been finished. The story has been written. But it's still unfolding, right? It's still unfolding. Are things right in the world today? 
not on not in my state, town, territory, block, house. <laughs> you know, brain, I mean, as personal as you can get. No, things are not right yet. And I think about Paul, you say, you know, things aren't right yet. The Jews aren't there yet. Has the word of God failed? No. So when I see things that are incomplete and unfinished and not where they're supposed to be, my faith is that his plan is still happening. His plan is still happening. It is not as though the word of God has failed. The theme in this passage, and by the way, I couldn't really spend five minutes on this and then Next thing you know, we're off to the Red Sea. We're going to get them across the Red Sea. We're just going to wait a week. The theme in this chapter, as said in verse 3 of back to Exodus now, Moses said to the people, remember this day. In Luke, Jesus says, remember this day. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time the Jews celebrate Passover, they should be thinking about redemption for worship. Everything, every time we take the Lord's table, we should be thinking about redemption for worship. The order is still the same as we think about the events of this coming week, as we remember. The order is the same as it was in the Exodus. They had the instruction, they had the meal, Then there was the sacrifice. And then there was the freedom. It's still the same order for this coming week, right? We got the instruction. There was the meal. Next in line is going to be the sacrifice. And then the redemption. That's what we're looking for. Better quit. Comments? Just a sidebar. Has really. How many in here are firstborn? Firstborn. Okay. By Dr. definition, there's always going to be more of us. <laughs> uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman has written a book, Birth All Order. It's a very interesting book. Um, but uh, he doesn't leave out us middle children either. So uh, anyway. Huh? Are the baby. Yeah, you're, you're not left out, Brenda. All right. Anyway. Firstborn. You know, it was a big deal when, of course, in this particular context, we're talking about 
the males, but it, uh, Jesus elevated us all to the proper place. But uh, it was a big deal. You remember with uh, with Joseph and Ephraim and Manasseh. You know, uh, the one that got the firstborn blessing was not the firstborn, but uh, that was according to Scripture too. So. Uh, firstborn that's kind of like right hand you know the right hand was a big deal how many of you left-handed so anyway we don't leave you out either <laughs> but the, let the right hand you know but anyway go ahead. just I guess the the other point I, I um, neglected to make is that the whole theme of redemption is about taking someone who isn't firstborn and making them firstborn, right? That's the theme. You look at Adam's kids. You look at David's family. You look at the Jacob. You look at the whole of Scripture, for the most part, is a story of people who weren't firstborn who were elevated that's really the story of redemption how God can take someone who doesn't have the privilege, doesn't have the standing doesn't have anything and then release them to be who he ultimately wants them to be um, but Lord I think the, the ironic thing is we have that choice See, he doesn't make us the invitation is open. There. I got a phone call yesterday uh, from a good friend of mine. That not too long ago, I played golf on Sunday morning. I didn't come to church. And one of my buddies is still doing that. He's 51, and uh, he called me. And I figured we were just going to talk about the Masters and catch up. He works out of town. He's on the road a lot. And, uh, he shared with me deeper in a conversation about a guy that the Lord sent to him that he works with ministered to him and how he had started reading his Bible and realized that he didn't need to be on the road anymore. He didn't need to be doing electrical work with young guys that were drinking a lot. He, he said, I've seen a change in you and I just wanted to talk to you about that. So we had an opportunity to talk about what God had done to allow me to not even think about going to play golf on Sunday. In this church, it's really a couple of years of transformation. And he got working on it. In this Amen. messed up 2019 world, God is working on people, proving people who are loving them, caring, asking about them. And uh, I'm excited, man, because he's he's more he's moving toward becoming a firstborn. Amen. Let's pray, Father. With thanksgiving, we thank you for uh, for Jesus, uh, through whom we can have the adoption of sons, that we can be part of the family that you love and you want and you cherish 
and you want to hear from. We thank you for the privilege of worship. Be with us in these next moments as we get the opportunity to do that collectively. And we thank you for the remembrance of what's going to happen in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody.